Fields. Hey everyone, you're listening to Hey Man, the advice podcast for men. I'm Avi Klein. I'm Sam Graham Wilson. I'm a therapist. Sam's a novelist. We're here to answer your questions and hopefully get a few of our own questions answered as well. Today, we're going to do it with the help of Brandon Levi, who is the owner of Evolution Muay Thai, uh, a very famous uh, kickboxing gym here in New York City. Brandon's originally from Australia. We talked to him a lot about fighting, why he's afraid to fight, but also why fighting is a good thing. And we talked to him about how much he cares about his fighters, how he gets uh, sick before every fight when he's watching someone fight. Hope you enjoy. Do you remember the first fight you ever got in? Yeah. What it was about? What happened? I I remember, I think I was six or seven. And uh, I punched my one of my friends. We were having an argument. I punched him and then he punched me in the stomach and knocked the wind out of me. Oh, yeah. And that, that's my first memory of a fight. I remember getting the wind knocked out of me for the first... I don't remember exactly when it was, but I just remember, like, no one ever told me what, what getting the wind knocked out of you <laughs> yeah. was, was like. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, am I dying? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a... It's a steep learning curve at that stage, yeah. isn't it? Um, so after that, did you... I mean, were you the kind of kid... I'm always curious, like, about people who um, get into... Uh, the world of martial arts professionally or teaching it like um, were you the kind of kid that was getting into fights and then and then you know on the street or at school or whatever and then got into it or were you the kind of kid who got into it in part because you were maybe shy and wanted to build confidence and weren't the kind of person that went towards fights I or think something I'm, else I'm yeah or something else. got into it I got into it mainly because I was getting bullied okay um, there was some kids that were picking on me so I wanted to defend myself what were they picking on you about? Oh, I don't even remember. Just being shitty kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shitty if, if kids. For, for listeners who are curious about your accent, can you just tell us where sure. you're from? <laughs> uh, from Brisbane, Australia. Okay. Um, so you were, getting, you were getting messed with in school. Yeah. And so when did you start taking your first class? Did, you didn't start in Muay Thai, right? You no, started I started with boxing. Okay. Um, I actually had my first boxing lesson when I was like 10. So I guess what's that, 84, 85? Um, did a few lessons in that. I only did like a couple of months, and that got me all through high school, all so, through my school life. Like, I just I learned how to throw a jab, and, and I had it. like a half a dozen fights after that in school and stuff. And every one of them, I just jabbed the guy in the face and make his nose bleed. <laughs> it's so funny you say that because I I'll never forget this. So we've talked about fighting a lot on this podcast, and neither of us really fought as kids. But I remember my friend's dad just had this piece of advice he said all you have to do is punch someone in the nose yep. and their nose will bleed and it'll freak them out so much that they'll just stop fighting you basically yeah that that, so that worked a few times it worked like a charm <laughs> <laughs> um and after you after you sort of de- did you develop a reputation for fighting back did that and did that like not get really not really no okay. people still picked on me okay <laughs> so they didn't learn their lesson no i mean <laughs> yeah you sort one guy out and then somebody else wants to step up so is but, that just and, something and about I'd, Brisbane I'd, or the? Or yeah, pretty much. And yeah. and I I didn't really like fighting that much, so I'd back down most of the time. So people would pick on me, knowing that I would wouldn't fight. And Wait, then, so you, just so I'm clear, you, so you're taking boxing lessons, but yeah. still backing down from yeah. fights? Yeah, I, I still back down from fights. I got uh-huh. into, I, I get in my face on the street a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. It's just not worth it. Yeah, I, which, no, like, which part do you not like about it? You getting hurt, or do you feel bad about hurting the other guy, or is it both, or both? Yeah. Everything like when I when it's happening, it's so many thoughts go through your head. It's like, what are the cops gonna do? You know, like, am I gonna go to jail? Yeah. Has this guy got a knife? Has he been training his whole life? Is he a psychopath? Right. Or all reasonable questions. Yeah, and and another thing, my stepbrother, 
um, got into a fight when he was 16, knocked, kicked a guy, guy went down, died. Wow. So he went to prison. Holy shit. So that's, that's something that's always in the back of my head. You know, if yeah. you get into a fight on the street and you knock somebody out, they, their head hits the floor, they die, yeah. you're going to prison. Is he still in prison? No, he got out. And he, I think he did like 12, 15 years, something wow. like that. Wow. That, this is actually kind of refreshing to hear because I feel like when I, when I meet people who are more comfortable with fighting or have more experience with fighting, some of them can be really nonchalant. Like, it's no big deal. You just do it. But you're, you yeah, seem nah. really aware of the consequences. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's so many thoughts that go through my head when it's about to happen. I'm like, nope, this isn't worth it. Yeah. So, so you were boxing. Um, and where did it go from there? You started boxing at 10. Yeah, I started, like, taking boxing lessons at 10. And I kind of, like, got in, left that go and got into rugby and all the other usual Aussies for sports. And uh, after high school, I got back into it again and uh, did boxing for a couple of years. And one of the guys that was the f- on the fight team at the boxing gym I was at was also a Muay Thai fighter. His name was Nick Tomify. Um, and uh, he started teaching Muay Thai lessons. So I started taking lessons with him. And that was just hard, like shin checking and... All the really painful shit that you hear about in Muay Thai. I was like, that's all he wanted to do. All For the people time. who don't, who are not familiar with Muay Thai, my, it has the reputation, I think, of being like the most physically punishing. Is yeah, that right? everything hurts all the time. Uh-huh. Because you're allowing kicks, right? Yeah, like, like everything's coming at you pretty hard. And, you know, block a kick, you lift your shin up so the kick hits your shin. So it's just like shin to shin contact. Uh-huh. And that just doesn't matter how it's much just you like condition bone on your shins. Bone, yeah, yeah. It, just, it just hurts. Yeah. I feel it just like always hurts. A lot of people also who aren't really deeply into physical fitness or, or martial arts don't realize that like something like 80% of the muscles in the body are in your legs, right? In your lower body, right? Yeah, legs are super So there's important. way more power down there than, than in your upper body, yeah. right? So it's just like just a much more violent, mm. um, potential to be a much more violent sport, right? Yeah. So what kind of, I mean, not, not to generalize too much um, or stereotype the, the people who go into it, but like... Is there a kind of person that's attracted to uh, yes. Muay Thai versus yes. other martial arts? Uh, it's, it's an interesting sport. Muay Thai is so different to every other sport that I've ever done because it's not like MMA or boxing. There's no money in it. You know, mm. fighters get a couple of grand a fight if they're lucky, sometimes less than a grand. Um, top level guys will make 10, 20 grand a fight, which is peanuts yeah. when you compare it to boxing or MMA. So you know that the guys aren't doing it for the money. They're doing it because they love it. They're doing it because they love Muay Thai. They, they know it's the best striking style in the world. They, it's given them a lot. Like it, Muay Thai has given me and everybody I know that's in it, it's given, it's given us so much. Can you explain, what does it give you? Um, oh, confidence, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, physicality, like you, you get to know your body really well. Like you, you know what you can do. You learn a lot about yourself. Um, and you, you get... You, you learn to believe in yourself. You learn to realize that you can do stuff and you can get hit and it's not the end of the world. And it's okay to be a little rough from time to time. It's okay to be a little rough? Yeah. And, and you know, you're constantly, you're constantly getting little injuries and, and you're just toughening up and you're also learning skills. Like that's, that's a big thing too. I think a lot of people need these days is you go to work, you come home, you watch TV, repeat. 
if you're doing something like Muay Thai or any, any sport or anything that where you're learning something new, you're constantly improving something. And it, A, it's good for your brain to learn stuff. Yeah. But B, it's just a positive thing to do. Like if you're learning something, especially not something that you have to, if people come to me to learn Muay Thai and they're not doing it for money, they're not doing it because it's going to help them with their job, they're just doing it for fun and they want to learn something. And that's such a positive thing. And, and normally they're positive people that do it. Like I meet really good people through the martial arts because those people are, they're not the type of people that sit on the couch and do nothing. Totally. Um, I'm relatively new to, to doing like group fitness. I was always like, uh, kind of like, ah, oh, I'm going to do something on my own. And, um, I'm, I do things on my own. I'm not a group guy, whatever. Uh, and also, like, I was scared of CrossFit because it has a reputation for being very intense um, and, uh, and painful. <laughs> and, um, but I will say that what's, what's been really cool about it for me is the positive people, right? It, you know, I mean, I'm sure some of them are depressed, you know, grumpy people. Uh, but for the most part, people, people seem to just have a generally positive attitude. And, and, and I feel like I've... I've gotten a more positive attitude over the mm -hmm. past six months and i've been trying to think about like why that is i think one of the biggest things for me is like the way that you learn a new skill yeah. right like like it, it it it'll take you know maybe years until i learn how to do a handstand walk right but i'm gonna hopefully learn how to do that in the process of of uh you know continuing to take these classes and i imagine like there are some kicks that literally take people years to learn mm -hmm. right and um and there's just something um, about like as an adult learning new stuff, that's just very like exciting. Cause I think, I think like kids are expected to be learning all the time, yeah. but like adults, like it's just like, Oh yeah, you graduated from school. Like you can just sit in front of your TV for the rest <laughs> of your life and be static, you know? Yep. So there's something about, I don't know, just, just, just that, um, growth thing that like just gives people meaning. I think that sort of things actually really interests me a lot. Um, like brain stuff. And how to how to make your brain work better, and and how to fix any problems. Uh, one of my students, uh, James Thompson, runs Evoke Neuroscience, and he his company specialises in helping uh, PTSD hmm. vets uh, with brain trauma, uh, football players, boxers, anyone that's got brain trauma, they they help them regenerate their their brain, and it's it's possible to do that now. Wow. Um, the first thing he did was put me and my entire fight team on fish oil tablets, mm -hmm. either fish oil or flaxseed, omega-3s. It's uh -huh. the number one thing for your brain. Um, and he said, if you're getting hit in the head, every time you get hit in the head, that's brain damage. And the best way to fix that is to take fish oil. But he also said that the best way to regrow synapses and forge new connections is to learn something. So these people that finish school, get a job, settle down, don't learn anything they actually start to lose a lot of their brain functions mm -hmm. and, and they, they deteriorate quickly. And I've seen it with old people too. You know, you, you, you can tell somebody's struggling when they, when they stop learning new stuff yeah. and, you know, they retire, they settle down, they're fishing every day. They're not really doing anything new and that's when they, they get old and die. And I think there's also just something particular about learning stuff with your body versus learning something from a book. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, not to judge learning from a book. I like learning from books too, but it, but it's been a very different experience for me 
learning like, oh shit, my body can do all this stuff that I mm-hmm. completely assumed I could never do. You know, that's that's a really that's, exciting kind of thing. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Do you feel like uh, did you suffer any brain trauma as a fighter? Like, I did, did a little. I yeah. did a little. I got tested, and there was a little bit of trauma. I was actually worried because my memory was really bad. Mm. And um, James tested me, and he said there was there is signs of uh, mild trauma, but nothing too bad. You don't have to worry about dementia or any of that stuff. But it made me think. So now I don't spar as much. I just sort of take it a little easier because now. I'm turning 45 this year so these young fellas they hit the hard. <laughs> you before you became a teacher so just going back to your story before you became a teacher you were um spar i guess professionally or how would you or a, as an amateur fighter how well, would I had, you classified I had, yourself i had 10 fights amateur uh-huh. and pro um and that was it I, mean, I didn't have a very big record and i wasn't that great a great a fighter um I'd where, like where were you fighting australia uh-huh. I had nine fights in Australia, one in Thailand. Um, and I wasn't a great fighter. I was all right, but I wasn't going to win any world championships. But I think I'm a better coach than I am a fighter. That's, what makes that's her what better? I'm, What's the difference? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. Uh, I don't know. I think I like to break things down for people. Um, I want to be a better coach than my coach was. That's always been... A, I know that's a strange thing to say, right? But well, I'm wondering what your coach was like. He was all right. He was good. Um, but I, I feel like I, there's things I can do better. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I want to improve on the, on the original. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I try to give my guys as much attention as I can. You know, the fight team, I make them train six days a week. Uh, they do How about, many hours a day? About, about 20 hours a week. Wow. 20 to 25. Uh, about three to, three to four hours a day, six days a week. And what is that like? How much of that is like sparring versus uh just like doing exercises they spar every second day Uh usually um but we also do clinch sparring speed drills advanced drills all that sort of stuff as well as pad work and conditioning so are these guys who just like have jobs at odd hours because how can they commit to yeah it's it's actually hard like i got a lot of guys that want to fight but camp fight camp starts at 4 p.m and if you can't get to fight camp at 4 4 p.m i can't train you to fight um, because unfortunately, you know, I'm running a business. Um, the group classes that I teach at my gym, uh, how I pay my rent. So the prime, prime times, 5.30, 30. I've got to teach my big group classes. So I don't have that time. That time isn't available for me to train my fight team. So my fight team have to come in before that so I can train them before I, I teach my classes. When, when one of your guys is in a fight, are you in the corner kind yep. of um so what's that like uh on a, on a gut level yeah stressful uh-huh. um i get diarrhea almost every fight literally yeah it gives me it gives me that much stress I, wow. I, I try to try to keep it cool so that i don't stress out the fighter but sometimes i, I don't do a very good job so what are you getting i get very about? i get very worked up about it uh-huh. um it, what what just, part just well, like f- watching them get hit yeah or, i mean yeah. i don't let a guy fight until he's been with me about a year um, and in that year I've seen him grow and mature and learn and I'm, I'm proud of him. And I, 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 you just learn to really care about somebody. Yeah. And then you're putting him in the ring with somebody that's <laughs> actually asking. trying to hurt him yeah. Yeah. and has the ability to, you know, the guy yeah. he's fighting is just as fit and has trained just as long. He could knock him out. And I've had a, f- a couple of my guys get hurt in fights yeah. and I've got to say, it's the worst feeling I've ever had. Mm. How did the, how does that go afterwards? Like, do you, do you, 
I mean, it's not your fault, oh, but it, do you, it what crushes do you, you? Yeah. It really crushes you. I, uh, like you feel, do you feel personally responsible or yeah, you just feel bad? Yeah. 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 You get a lot of guilt. Um, even though most of the time it's not, it's not the coach's fault. Like if you're doing the best job you can to train the guy and he's doing his best job to train and he's doing his best in the fight, he can still get clipped with something. Uh-huh. You know, you've got so many things, you've got a, so many variables you can't control. That's why MMA, you, you don't see a, one champion dominate for very long because somebody eventually is going to figure out a way to beat them. There's so many different ways you can lose a fight. And when somebody gets, gets beaten or when they get hurt, you've got to kind of try not to panic and be like, oh, I fucked up. You know, I, yeah. sorry, can I swear on yeah, that? Absolutely. absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, you don't want to, yeah. one of the good things about podcasts. <laughs> yeah. And and I've I've struggled in the past because I get very emotional about it. Mm. I get very invested. And when my fighters lose or get hurt, I get very upset. And that's not good for the fighter. I'm learning as I as I get more and more like into they, it. Like, then they feel like the pressure. Yeah. yeah. I, I, like I'm I'm trying to change it up so I don't put as much pressure on my fighters now. I like just have fun out there, do the best you can, work on what we've been working on. And try not to be too down after they if they lose. Have you ever cried in front of one of your fighters? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, we've got. The, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the Mong Kong. Uh, I don't know why it happens to me almost every time. But I've, with, there's a Mong Kong. It's this head headband thing that that is a traditional headdress in Thailand, and every Muay Thai gym should have a Mong Kong. And the fighter wears the gym Mong Kong to the ring. Uh. And I got my Mong Kong in Thailand in 03. And every fighter I've had fight has worn it. So now when I put it on a new fighter for the first time, I kind of oh. get a little I get a little emotional. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, it's weird. And, and it's weird. Like, big top Muay Thai guy getting a bit, <laughs> bit misty-eyed. And I, like, choke up a little bit. Yeah. It's, I'm a bit of a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> are you, do you have kids? No. Because it feels like kid, like these are like your kids. Yeah, you're sending out pretty there. much. Yeah, pretty like much your legacy. Yeah, <laughs> right. Do you, do you think have, um, whether or not you want to have kids? If you ever did, do you think you would want them to to go Absolutely. into martial arts? Absolutely. Why? Uh, because it for that's the weird thing with martial arts. It's all about violence, which is supposed to be negative, but there's so many positives to it. Can you help me understand that? Because I'm also sort of like on the. Yeah. I feel like it's something I should do. I, well, that's part of the reason I found you was uh, I was like, man, I should like really think about this. And, and your gym is like uh, highly regarded by everyone. And so I was like, oh, I should talk to this guy. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like why should someone fight? What's positive about violence? Yeah, it's, it's such a strange thing. I mean, like the fighting is, is scary as hell, but you don't have to fight. Like most 95% of my students will never step into the ring. Half of my students don't even want to spar. They just want to come in and get a good workout because it is a killer workout. Mm-hmm. And you're also learning self-defense. Um, most people won't fight, but the people that do fight, it's, it's a serious commitment. And the one thing I, I really love about it is you learn a lot about yourself. And, and once you've fought, if, you, if you've got the balls to get in the ring and fight against some guy that's equally trained and is trying to knock your head off, if you can deal with that fear and that stress... Nobody can ever take that away from you. Whether you win, lose, or draw, after that fight, you're a different person. You're in, a, you're in an elite club. Um, less than 0.1 of a percent of the world have ever done it, and nobody else can ever take that from you. Yeah. So, so really what it's about is 
um, it sounds like is uh, the uh, in terms of knowing yourself, just like knowing how courageous you actually are. Is that kind of what you're yeah, getting? Yeah, like at? yeah, you like you can say to yourself, you know, I'm not a chicken shit. I'm, I've got I've obviously got enough courage to get in there and have a go. And that's a big deal, especially for a man, I think. Like, you know, we're all raised to try to have, live up to this masculine ideal. And it's kind of hard. And yeah, when you do something like that, that actually lets you think, okay, yeah, I'm a man. I, I, I've stood up like a man. Or if you're, if you're a woman, like I've had a couple of really successful female fighters. And same thing goes for them. You know, like that you learn so much about yourself and you learn that you're a, you've got guts, you know? It's a, even though you're trying to hurt somebody and they're trying to hurt you, you take away a lot of positives from that. Does, does it translate in other areas in your life? Like, do you feel like, um, I don't know, let's say there's just like a really awkward situation with uh, a coworker or something like that that has nothing to do with physical violence, but it's just an uncomfortable situation do you feel like it's given you more confidence to just deal with uncomfortable situations outside of the ring or is it a separate kind of thing? Yeah, I think it's hard to say exactly. I think I understand what you mean. Um, like not being afraid of other stuff, I suppose would be. Yeah, that- like, or, I, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of examples of like things that are scary that don't involve violence, like things that are just kind of uh, maybe like just emotionally scary stuff. Um, it does give you a point of reference. I, I think I know what you mean. Like, um, after you've fought Muay Thai, boxing, MMA, the volume on everything else gets turned down a little bit. Like, you, you've been in the ring with someone trying to take your head off. There's not much, not much scarier than that. That's one of the scariest things you'll ever do. So if you can do that, then pretty much everything else, you're like, all right, I can, I can handle this. Right. It doesn't matter what life throws at you, you can handle it. This is a, a random left field question, but your last name is Levi. Are you Jewish? I am part of the tribe. <laughs> We're, well, Actually, I'm this, not really. <laughs> my, you're an honorary tribesman. <laughs> my great-grandfather was Jewish. That, wow. Had, but the name, it just... Yep. Because we were, we once, got we got kind of hyped. We well, were wondering that in advance because we're both Jewish, and we were like, I wonder if you know, because and when you were because when you were talking about like being a man, like you know, like Jewish men don't often. I don't know. They're very emasculated. We have like it. the stereotype. Like, like Woody Jew- Allen. Jewish men in particular, I think, have the stereotype of being like not the toughest guys, right? <laughs> like <laughs> the guys who are the brainiacs or whatever. Um, right. Of yeah, course, no, there are plenty of exceptions to that rule. But yeah. 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 So we got, so I got a little excited at the possibility that you were like a Jewish yeah, fighter. Unfortunately, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't. I can't claim. Well, it. Well, I do. I do claim my Jewish heritage a uh, lot, and I'm proud of it. I, I, I like my Jewish heritage. Um, interesting story about my great grandfather. Put his age down by 10 years in World War II to go fight the Nazis. Wow. wow. And the moment he got in the army, they sent him to Singapore to fight the Japanese. Wow. <laughs> so he was, he was too old and he, he lied and made himself younger? Yep. He was 10 years too old. Wow. So he put his age down and he wanted to go you know, fight for his people. Right. And instead he ended up in Singapore fighting the Japanese. Wow, interesting. And ended up uh, the, Jap- the, uh, the the English general that was in control of Singapore surrendered all the troops to slow the Japanese army down. So my grandfather ended up in a prisoner of war camp oh, and met up with his oldest son. Wow. In, in the, the same camp? camp, yeah. Wow, wow. So That's wild. That's interesting. Wild. Yeah. interesting. And that was, that was the last proper Jewish blood 
relative. Do you come from, are, are there other people in your family who are fighters? Or, or? My brother does Kyokushin. He's What's got a that? black belt in Kyokushin karate. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. My stepbrother's a boxer. Mm-hmm. But blood relatives, just my brother and I. Is there, are you married? Yes. Is your wife into martial arts? Yeah. That's how I met her, actually. Oh, really? I broke the cardinal rule. You should <laughs> never. never date a student. Okay. Ah. Okay. So, yeah, most, most guys I know in the game have broken that rule at some stage. Or another. <laughs> does, she, um, does she just do the um, uh, exercises and stuff, or does she actually fight um, as she, well? She had three Muay Thai fights, and then she switched over to jiu-jitsu. Um, she competed in jiu-jitsu for a while, but then she got injured and some stuff got in the way. So she hasn't actually been able to train much lately. What was that like? Just, I'm trying to imagine, both of us are married. I'm trying to imagine yeah. like seeing my wife uh, get right. into the ring with some giant, well, like actually tattooed f- woman. Who could, you know. <laughs> the, the fight part was actually pretty cool. Cause she's a scrapper. She, she's yeah. a very violent person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the training sucked cause she's also very pig headed and her and I butted heads a lot in training. Cause I'm telling her to do stuff. And she's like, you're not the boss of me. And I'm like, yeah, I am. And so we had some issues with that. Um, but watching her fight was actually a lot of fun because she was scary. She like Is she scary in real up. life? Or? Yeah, she's, she's pretty scary. She's, she's, um, is she tougher than you? I'm kind of getting yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think she is, actually. <laughs> um, I'm curious, I guess, because of, of my profession, but like, um, I know in boxing, like, you, you kind of have to play to your strengths and, and work with who you are. Yep. Like to, is it the same in, in kickboxing? Like, yeah, but you gotta, there's, I have issues a lot of the time with fighters, especially in Muay Thai fighters who showboat a lot, like drop their hands and, and do all that sort of the Mayweather stuff. Mm-hmm. It works really well in boxing, but even in boxing, I feel like people do it too much. And I say to my students, you know, you watch Mayweather or these top level fighters doing all this shoulder roll and dropping their hands and showboating and they're breaking the rules. But the only reason they're breaking the rules and getting away with it is because they've been in this game so long and they're so good that they know how to break the rules and not get hurt. And if you, coming off the street with only a couple of months of training, start trying to do that, someone's going to hurt you. You're mm. going to get hit. You're yeah. going to try to do a fancy shoulder roll and you're just going to get sparked. Yeah. Someone's going to crack you with something and you're going to end up with brain damage. People do it to like humiliate the other person? To yeah, like... you, get in the, you get in their head a little bit, you yeah. know, a little taunting. And just, you know, like... There's, there's certain things you can do from those positions, like the shoulder roll opens up certain up counterattacks and stuff. Uh, but you've got to be very careful. I, I normally teach just, you know, high guard, keep your chin down, keep your hands up. I think that would be really hard for me, like the intimidation part. <laughs> I'm just I'm laughing at myself trying to be intimidating. But, like, you, you have to find that in yourself. How many of the guys imagine? are, like, are just faking it versus, like, true psychopaths Probably. who are, like, actually... Probably all of us. <laughs> <laughs> So, it, I mean, and, and does it work to, to like look really scary to the other person? It does. Like, do you, is that part of good. something you that, teach? That is a part of Muay Thai too. Right? Yeah. We call it the Muay Thai poker face. You never show your emotions. You never show pain. You never show fear. Always just be calm and relaxed. And that, that does help because if, if you're about to fight somebody and he looks just like he doesn't give a shit, he has no fear, then that puts more fear on you. Mm-hmm. Um. Of course, you're both doing the same thing. And meanwhile, you're both terrified. I don't know a single fighter who wasn't terrified getting them in the ring. If you're not at least a little bit scared or nervous, you shouldn't be in there. Do they admit it to you that they're terrified or you can just tell? Usually. 
usually. I mean, if you talk to somebody afterwards, they'll normally be like, yeah, I'll shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> is that considered like, um, is it considered like a sign of weakness to admit that you're terrified or? I don't, I don't think so. Not, yeah. not, not with real, yeah, real knows real. Like if you've fought before, you know how scary it is. And so if someone says, yeah, I was terrified, you're like, yeah, I know exactly how you feel. Yeah. If you've never done it before and you're like, oh, you're a pussy, then that's just because you've never done it before and you don't know what you're talking about. Right, right. Yeah. And we do get a lot. You, you get a lot of guys coming in talking tough and they learn very quickly. Like I, I get guys coming in off the street all the time saying, I want to be a professional fighter. Uh-huh. I'm like, all right, well, you got about five years of amateur fights. you got to train for about a year before I let you fight. And then you f- do about 20 amateur fights. And then if you're good enough, you go pro. It takes about five years. And they're like, oh, I, I thought it would just be like a quick thing. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. And the guy that comes in, he's like, oh, I've had lots of street fights. Normally, he's not the guy that's going to last because the ego is too big. You've got to be able to take your ego out of, out of it. You, you need ego, but you want to be able to shut your ego off and just learn and realize that you, you don't know everything yet. Do you ever have um, people coming to you who are afraid to get hit? Yes, all How the time. How do you teach people not to be afraid to get hit? We have a class. We call it speed drills. And one of the, the first thing I do in the speed drills class is I'll have one person put their hands over their groin so they've got their hands down, and the other person's just throwing a jab at their face. The person's trying to punch him. Not hard, but they're trying to hit him in the mouth. And the person who's defending the punch is either just dropping their chin so they headbutt the fist with the top of their head or they're slipping to either side or slipping back and just basically trying to avoid getting hit clean. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the easiest ways to learn how, like after that, you're like, oh, I got hit like five times mm-hmm. and it didn't hurt that bad. You know, hit, getting hit isn't the end of the world. That was one of the things that I learned. I was like, oh, this isn't too bad. You can take a shot. It's not a good idea to. But, you know, if you, if you take a shot, yeah, you might get a little, little headache. Yeah, there is brain trauma there, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the end of the world. And that's, that's an interesting thing to find out about yourself, that you're not made of glass. Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, I, I wonder... I, I ask because I, I definitely, like, have fear of, of uh, what it would be like to get hit. And I, I wonder... If I could get over it. Um, yeah. yeah. Most people yeah. surprise themselves very yeah. quickly. Yeah. Um, I've, had, I've had people cry the first time they got hit because it's just been that much of a shock to the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just got to talk them down and put them back in there and have, get them have another go. You got to get back on that horse. You know, when the horse bucks you off, you got to get back, on, back I, in the saddle. I think my fear would more be like totally freezing up in a fight, like just yeah. forgetting everything. Yep. Yeah. Does that that can happen, happen too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, am I, or am I a weirdo? Yeah. Well, the funny thing is in a fight, you don't really have time to think. That's another beautiful thing about, about competition is it's the most zen thing I've ever experienced in my life. I've tried meditation and stuff. Nothing has ever emptied my mind. And, you know, they say when you meditate, you're supposed to be like, try to empty your mind, don't think about anything, try to just be. The only thing that's ever done that for me is getting punched in the face. Well, they're knocking like, it out of you. Well, just <laughs> having somebody standing in front of you trying to hurt you, yeah. you don't have time to think. Right. The, the voice in your head shuts off and you just live in the moment and it's your instincts and your animal brain that, that takes over. You, you do what you remember, you do what you've, you've been taught, but you're not really thinking about it as much. You're thinking about stuff, but you're, not, you're kind of letting your training take over. And you're not thinking, okay, I want to hit this guy with a left, then a right, then a left. Because if you're thinking about it, if you're thinking the words, 
it's too slow. By the time you get to do it, it's all, the moment's gone. It's got to be instantaneous. Yeah, and actually, I mean, what's kind of amazing about that, I, so I, I meditate, and um, it's one thing to sit alone on a cushion and try to empty your mind, but it's another thing to try to empty your mind when you're in a dynamic with another person who's yeah. trying to fuck you up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a really interesting form of meditation, but I totally see how that is a form of meditation. But it's, it's not even a conscious thing. Yeah. It's like, it's just what happens. Right. It's like when your instincts take over, you know, every one of us has the fight or flight instinct. If you get into a fight, your brain shuts down and your and your instincts take over. Do you and think? Do you think? Sorry, um, I'm just curious. Like, when you spend so much time around violence, right, and like what you have to do to be prepared for violence, like you, I don't know. When when we read the news, it's like like a boxer also beat his wife or something like that. Like, do you is that like a real worry that violence is? Gonna, and I, like, don't, I don't think so. You don't think so? I honestly don't. All right, well, you seem if, like very disinterested in fighting. <laughs> That's what you, that when you sat down, you're like, yeah, I like, don't really want to do that. No, no, I, I, I like to be able to, but I'm not going to fight unless I have to. Do you, um, do people ask you, like, do your students ask you about fighting outside of the ring? Um, yeah. Like, and do you, I mean, do you have, do you basically encourage them to walk away or do you? Most, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I just remind them that they could go to jail. Now, that's the big thing. You get into a fight in the city, there's cameras everywhere. You, you knock somebody out and you might end up in prison for a few years. I don't want to do that. So, so we do a question every episode. And, uh, from a listener. From a listener. And, Uh-oh. And, uh, you don't have to be the only one to answer. We'll all, yeah, and, we'll and all answer it's not about together. expertise. Um, and sometimes we try to match it to our guest. This does not, as far as I know, match anything that you have uh, expertise in, but maybe you'll okay. surprise us. I've been wondering about this since, since you contacted yeah, me. I've been like, like what's, you know what's what? the question going to be? You could just imagine one of your students is asking you this question. Yeah. What, what would like, you say to a guy yeah, just you knew? To a friend. Oh, yeah. It's so many those weird basically. Yeah. All right, what's the question? Okay. Hey, man. I keep having this difficult conversation with my significant other, and I don't know what to do. We've been together for three years, and ever since we started dating, she has been emphatic that she never wants kids. I don't know what I want, and I've been open about that. Under the right circumstances, I could see my mind changing. She reacts really badly to that potential uncertainty. The other day, she asked if I would make her have kids, which, of course, I flat out rejected by saying I would never make you have children. But still, she has a lot of anxiety. We live in this gray area where it's sort of like, I want to be with her more than I want children, but what if that ever switched? She's anxious. I'm going to change my mind and leave her. How can I give her reassurance about something that I don't even know? It's impossible um, it's making it impossible to enjoy our relationship. The other night, we were watching Children of Men, and I couldn't enjoy the movie because I was stuck wondering if she was trying to bring up the subject of babies again. How do we move past this signed, frozen in Forest Hills? I like the Children <laughs> of Men reference in that. Yeah. Um, uh, well, it's... it's. Uh, I think, like, the, the key thing that sticks out to me about the question is, um, is kind of how to live in a state of limbo. And mm. uncertainty, right? And yeah. uh, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I yeah. go ahead. Oh, I was just wondering. So you don't have kids. Does your wife want kids? Do we we do want kids, but we have been having trouble. Oh yeah. Um, my swimmers don't swim very well. I'm so, sorry to hear that. Yeah, it sucks. But yeah, you know, I've got my kids at the gym. Are Are you gonna? It, it, you guys we're, still trying? We're, we're gonna try, but that's, it's we're kind of running out of time. We're both getting a bit long in the tooth. Uh huh. Oh, that's, that's a quite a process. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think the only path left for us is IVF, and uh, that's expensive. It's yeah, really and it's a pain, it's a pain yeah. in the ass. Yeah. And um, to be honest, right now we're in the process of looking for a new location to move the gym to. Uh-huh. So I don't have the time or the money to do that. Like everything, every penny I've got is going to go into the next gym. Totally. So you so. guys are actually kind of in a state of sort of limbo because you're yeah. not sure if you want to do the IVF, all yeah. that stuff. We do. We just yeah. haven't got the time or the money for it. Shit. But also, you, I mean, obviously, IVF is, is difficult. There's no guarantees with these things. Yeah. What, what's it, how do you it's deal like 25% with... 25% chance. So how do you deal with, uh, you know, for, for our listener who's going through this period of uncertainty, how do, how do you guys deal would, with, like, uncertainty? I would probably ask how old his significant other is. If mm-hmm. she's in her 20s, she might change her mind in her 30s. You know, I know, I'm, I'm, I knew lots of people in, in their 20s who were like, I'm never having kids. They get in their 30s, mid-30s, late-30s, they think, oh, I might want to have kids one day. Were like, you like that? Did you figure out? Um, no, I never. I, I always knew I was going to want to have kids eventually, but I, ne- I didn't want them in my 20s, that's yeah. for sure. I, I was like, nope, <laughs> yeah. oh, i got too much to do. Yeah. I definitely did. You had kids in your 20s, right? 29 is when my Yeah, first. but I remember thinking that was ridiculous. It was early. ridiculous. <laughs> I, had, I had in my 20s absolutely no interest in... in uh, she I was mean, unexpected, to be fair. <laughs> okay. You know what's funny is I, I, uh, I wish I'd had kids younger because... Like now the idea of having a kid is kind of terrifying. Like I'm old and I get tired all the time. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the one thing I've learned as the difference between me as a kid and a teenager and me now is that now I'm just always tired. I go to bed, I get eight hours sleep. I still wake up tired. How do you deal with that doing what you do? It's, it's a struggle. Yeah. But like I can't imagine having a kid now at my age and then having to chase after a kid and living on two hours sleep a night yeah. and dealing with all that and not just collapsing and dying. <laughs> I remember there was a phase. You just drink a shitload of coffee. That's yeah. how you do it. <laughs> there was like a phase with my daughters where I would just like four o'clock, I just, I would be dead and I just fall asleep and then I'd wake up at like six and not You mean four o'clock p- p.m.? PM. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. the day had been such a long day and then like I couldn't stay awake anymore. Yeah. yeah. I have I, I, all the time, like today I was taking care of uh, my son and um, I was just so tired that all I could do was wrestle him on my bed. But that was just an excuse so I didn't have to stand up. So I just wrestled him for like an hour just so I could lie down. <laughs> it's like I literally that, can't. Yeah, he liked it. He liked it. Um, so, okay, so going, not to make it all badass, with this person, so this is really the girlfriend is having a hard time dealing with the uncertainty of of him. Of she's, him. She's certain. She's certain. Well, but like, she's, like she's Brandon said, she's, she's certain have for now. Yeah. She's certain for now. And by the way, that is that is worth pointing out um, that it's a slightly different dynamic. Usually you hear this question from the opposite gender uh, where the where the man says he doesn't want to have kids and the, and the woman is pressuring True. the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but he, but depending on what her age is, but let's just assume for the sake of, um, for the sake of speculating um, that she's, let's say she's in her, in her late thirties, so there isn't, so there isn't yeah. the, the 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 hourglass is at the final bit of sand, okay. right? Can I um, can I play devil's advocate sure, for a yeah. second? Sure. What if it's just not him that she wants to have the kid with? Oh, maybe she just doesn't want to have a kid with him. It. I feel like she'd probably dump him then instead of being afraid that he's going to leave right? her. But <laughs> fair, fair. Sort of throw that. It's out important. There. So, it's important I to consider all options. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, a hard one though. But, but I think I it's think an awkward situation. Yeah, and I think. I mean, I just, I'm just trying to think about like, uh, 
other situations that don't involve kids where somebody has like a dream that like this is how I want my future to look. But it's not, and their partner has a different. But he doesn't even have a hard I think I honestly think it's kind of like a false dilemma in a way. It's like, you know, maybe one day I might want to move to California. Like that hasn't really entered my mind right now. So if my wife freaked out about me wanting to like take the whole family there, it's like, what are we even? It's not happening. You know Mm. what I mean? Like, right? That's. It would be one thing if he was. Maybe one day I'll decide, but right now I don't. Yeah, and it would be one thing if he was really pushing having right. kids but he's he's unsure i mean actually an analogy would be like the wife worrying oh what if he what if you fall out of love with me someday and or what if you like, die but that right. that could happen anytime exactly yeah. exactly that that happens all the time in a relationship yeah right. which is why i feel like the actual like substance here is um it's more for the wife than for him although he's the one asking the question for the wife, the question is, how do you deal with uncertainty? Yeah. Um, yeah and for him, like it's how do you she, deal with someone who has a hard time dealing with uncertainty? Yeah, it sounds like there's not a lot he can do. I mean, that's that's her issue. Right. He can try to help her with it, but it's something she's going to have to address. Well, I don't know if you've ever experienced this in, in any of your relationships, but I feel like it is a pretty common dynamic for one person to feel more insecure and be like, do you really love me or do you want to be with me? You know, are you sure you really mean that? And, and I kind of, that's what this reminds me of a little bit is like that insecure person who doesn't really trust that the relationship is solid. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah, just, it's kind of when I've been on the receiving end of that, it's a little frustrating. Like, I don't know what to do. What do you want me to tell you? Here I am, you know, uh, what more proof do you want? Mm. So I'm trying to imagine it's almost like maybe, if if this guy needs advice, the advice is, what do I? What advice do I give to my partner, right? Um, about how to just like chill out and you know just sort of accept the flow of life and like not try to be like, you know, preemptively making any moves because th- life is uncertain. I'm just trying to think like um, maybe this is like it's there's no perfect analogy to fighting, but obviously every time somebody steps into a fight i mean there are 10 million uncertainties it's like the most uncertain thing in the world because mm. another human being is totally unpredictable you know right so um what do you what do you tell fighters about like do you ever talk about uncertainty or just how to deal with like the fact that you don't know what's going to happen when you get in yeah, the ring i try to i try to make sure they understand that they could lose you don't want to push that too much. Yeah. Well, it but sounds like gotta, that's what stresses you out. If you're doing this, you're agreeing to take a risk. Like you could get hurt, and if you're, if you're not ready for that, then you shouldn't do it. And is the is the kind of underlying subtext of that that if you lose or even if you get hurt, that's actually okay. Yeah, so long as you learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to get hurt. Hurt. How are you working on being less? stressed and worried for them because that also seems like part I'm, of the struggle yeah i'm just trying to hide it more <laughs> <laughs> but what do you like so you can't take your own advice like it, it'll be okay no matter what no it doesn't feel true to you no, no. i'm a hypocrite <laughs> the world's worst hypocrite i mean i know what <laughs> that I'm, outwardly like. i'm like yeah no everything's good and inwardly i'm like oh, i gotta go to the bathroom again I'll go to the <laughs> <laughs> um because yeah it's i i can imagine the girlfriend here it's like okay let's say you break up right like that's really what you're afraid of um okay you know if it's that big an issue maybe they aren't supposed to be together 
you know, if, if, if it's that big a problem, maybe she should be with somebody else. I, maybe I he actually, should be with somebody you else. Know, you know, I actually kind of think Brandon's onto something yeah. because... Um, that is not what this person wants to hear, but go no, ahead. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. It's not, it's not what this person wants to hear, but like, um, but like, you know, look, I, I hope for you guys that it works out. Um, but it seems like you guys have a strong enough connection that if it doesn't work out, you guys are going to be good and you're going to have a great marriage. Yeah. We just got two cats too. So they're, right. uh, <laughs> yeah. we got fur babies. Right. <laughs> Right, and you have your kids at the gym too. So, exactly. Um, but uh, but it seems to me like um, like a like a relationship that's working really well. Mm. Uh, there there isn't this constant anxiety about the what if. You're just like cool with the you know yeah. Like when the relationship's working, you're like, all right, some shit could be thrown our way, and like we'll survive that. We'll be good. And if she's always in this state of like the what if, what if, what if, it, it does make me wonder like if. Um, yeah, if there's if 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 she's right for this guy or if mm. he's right for her, it's or definitely something missing in the dynamic. Definitely yeah. a red flag. Yeah, like I'd be a, that. Her attitude would make me nervous if I was him. Well, one thing uh, since I get to be the therapist, sometimes you know, there's this uh, there's this psychological concept of attachment, which is like um, the quality of your relationships as a as a baby with your with your parents, and then you you transfer that to to your the person you any romantic relationship really and it's it's like what can you expect from a person that's like their attachment a secure attachment is like you feel like they're going to be there for you they're reliable um and then an anxious attachment is one of the styles and that's where you feel uncertain like can i really count on you are you going to leave are you going to come back and i feel like the girlfriend has that style Mm. um and so that maybe the question isn't really about like what do we want the same thing, but she's really just asking, are you going to be there for me? And is there a way to be reassuring about that without getting annoyed? Because getting annoyed just makes someone more afraid that you're pissed at them and going to leave, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that might be part of their whole dynamic. Like that, that might be just how they, you know, every every couple has like their their chemistry that works differently and yeah. and issues and. Some couples like to fight. Some yeah, couples you like feel closer. It's passionate yeah. or whatever. You know, it's exciting. Yeah. Um, so even just being like, I don't know. I could imagine saying something like, "No matter what, I love you right now." That probably wouldn't be reassuring, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, this is one of these tough ones where I feel like there is it isn't really any advice to give other than just to be like, "Yeah, it's it's tough." Yeah, you sorry. Know, we, feel, we feel for you, man. <laughs> yeah, um, and enjoy the moment. I, yeah. I would, in a way that didn't sound as dickish as what I just said, but like, you know, I love you, and we're happy right now. Let's be happy right now. Right, yeah. right. I guess all you can do is just keep repeating that message and hope that it sticks. Right, and 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 mean it, which which he which he probably does because if he is yeah, like I guess if you saw it as her, I mean, he does seem to see she's scared about something. Um, maybe if you think about it more, like she's scared about his love for her instead of does he want kids and it's going to be this impossible situation. Maybe that'll be easier to speak to. He could yeah. always get a vasectomy. And just solve the problem. Just be like, there you go, no problem solved. Yeah, that's true. That <laughs> No, but then she'll be terrified because you can untie the vasectomy. I actually heard that's <laughs> or, harder or, to do. <laughs> or she'll change her mind. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I want a kid. Right. Yeah. Um, but it is, I just want to say before we yeah, wrap things yeah. up, like I, you know, um, just in general, the dilemma of whether or not to, to have kids and, um, yeah, that's I have, other piece. by the way, I have a, I won't 
specify, but I have a, a family member who's going through the exact same thing that you're going through right now. And I, you know, I know that it's probably emotionally tough. Well, definitely emotionally tough for that family member. So, um, but the, the, to the whole, have kids and yeah, 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 yeah. And, and the whole question is, um, uh, is basically like, because it feels like the, the biggest question in your life is whether or not you're going to have kids and, uh, to a lot of people. And I think, um, it's a, it, it's a big deal. Um, it is a big deal, but, uh, it's a huge deal, but, mm-hmm. but it's also like, you know, I, I know a lot of like really unhappy people with kids and a lot of really happy people without kids. And, you know, uh, life, life it turns is, out that like, after you make that decision, there's still many, many more decisions and things. Yeah, to do exactly. In life. Like exactly. it's not, it's not the, yeah, and I think I do think that 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 a lot of people make it seem like it's 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 the only giant thing, and and there won't be any others. But there's plenty of others that giant in a good way and a bad way. So um, anyway, uh, but I feel for this guy and and uh, and his wife too. It's you know it's a it's a heavy thing to uh, to be in the middle of you know. Um, so anyway, yeah. let's um let's we always wrap up the show. Uh, asking our guests for uh, just like a piece of wisdom or advice that you've gotten or heard or read at some point in your life that you apply, that you continue to apply to this day, think about, maybe Value. share with other yeah. people. See, I've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks, and I just now drew a complete blank. <laughs> like, I've been thinking about, oh, this is what I'm going to say. Oh, gonna say oh. And then now that you've asked me, I'm sitting here, and my brain is just like, nah, nothing. Do you have, do, is, there, is there like... Um, like, do you do you say one or two things to your students? Do you have like a kind of like a have, mantra that you a, say to your students? I have a few things that I like to drop. So give us some examples of those. Number one is probably consistency is everything. It doesn't matter how much natural talent you got. If you're not consistent, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, and I've seen a lot of people that didn't have a lot of talent develop talent over time. And for me, when, when I get people coming in off the street, the guy, I would prefer to have a guy that's not as coordinated, not as talented, but wants to work over the guy that's, that everything comes easily to him. Because the guy that has to struggle, he's going to get used to that struggle and he's going to continue to struggle and he's, and he's going to chase that goal. Whereas the guy everything comes easy to, when something goes wrong, he might just be like, oh, this is too hard, I'm going to move on. Right. So, um, You're making me, I'm remembering, like, a lot of times when I, that's such a true thing in life. And, um, I often beat myself up. Like when I've stopped being consistent with something, I'm like, well, I just fucked that up. You know, <laughs> like I'm not being consistent anymore and it feels like ruined. And, and I guess, I don't know, hearing you say it, it it's reminding me, it's like, you just have to find your way back to consistency again. Yeah. Is there, There's no trick to becoming more consistent, right? You just have to be consistent. You just got yeah. to do it. Yeah, yeah. You just got to be like, Oh, I don't feel like doing it today. No, I'm doing it. Yeah, there's this. Um, I've I've mentioned him a few times on on the podcast. There's this Instagram star, uh, ultra marathoner David Goggins, and his uh, ultra marathons. That's like the he does hundred hundred two hundred mile marathons, and his uh, his whole mantra is do something that sucks every day. So oh yeah, every that's day good. do something that's that good. sucks. <laughs> that's good. That sounds like jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you first start. That's one of the reasons I love jujitsu. Is when you first start out, jujitsu sucks. Like you just get smashed by everybody for a couple of years and you just, it's humiliating and everybody just makes you feel like the world's biggest bitch. 
Yeah. What? Like, but if you stick with it, eventually you get you start being the one that hands out the beating, and that's when it starts <laughs> to get fun. Right. It's funny when you do something and it sucks, and then you want to do it again. Yeah. Like, why is that? Why? It's like me and video games. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I think there's a difference between doing something that sucks that has no reward at the end of the tunnel. Like, uh, yeah, no, I'm. I guess I'm wondering. It's like there are those particular things that like. It sucked, but something about it, you're like, I, I want to try that one more time. Like, I'd like it pulls you in, even though it sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Can I go back to the advice? Yeah, point? please do. The one thing I would say to anybody is you only get one go at it. If you're not doing something, if you're not chasing some goal, you need to set yourself a goal and you need to chase after that goal. If you're not chasing after that goal, you're wasting your life. If you're not trying to get somewhere, if you're not trying to do something, with your life, trying to make something of yourself, what the fuck are you doing? How did you figure that out? Like, I mean, it's true advice, but I feel like it's the learned experience that makes that feel true. Yeah, I, I had a big, uh, big motorbike accident in 1996. And I hadn't trained for a couple of years. I'd taken a break from training and I was just chasing women and drinking and just, you know, I was in my early 20s. And uh, I had a big motorbike accident. And I could have died. Like wow. I came pretty close. Like uh, how close? Like, like I T-boned a car. I was doing about 70 kilometers an hour, which is what, 40 mile an hour. And I jumped up off my pegs, but I didn't quite clear the car. And I knocked myself out and busted up my knee. And my, my, one of my kidneys was bruised, so I was pissing blood for a week. Yeah. Um, and that, that kind of brought me down to earth. Because up until then, I thought I was bulletproof. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to live forever. There's no hurry. I can just party right now. And that's, that accident is what got me to get back into martial arts. And it stopped me living the party life. And I was like, right, I'm 22 now. I've done nothing with my life up until now since high school. Do I want to be that guy when I'm in my 40s that's done nothing with his life and has nothing to show for it? Do I want to die with all these regrets? So I got into martial arts and then... I went traveling. That was a big thing. If you, if you can, I'll say that to people too. Get out of the country. Like, leave. Go somewhere. Experience something different. Find out that the little corner of the world you live in isn't it. Um, get out there and have a go. Uh -huh. Where can people find uh, your uh, info for, if, in case they want to check out your gym or sure. watch uh, your videos? The or website's whatever. probably the easiest one. Just www.evolutionmoytai.com uh -huh. like, like Charles Darwin's evolution. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I should also just mention to our listeners, you have a, a video that has over <laughs> 2 million views on YouTube. Um, Is that uh, the cup video? It's got yeah. over 2 million views. <laughs> 2 million views? Yes. If yeah. you want to learn how to... Uh, you getting any ad wait, did revenue? You, you didn't know yeah. that you have a I didn't viral video? I that many views. Oh, yeah. I've got over 2 I million views. I haven't been keeping up with it. I, so, I was doing a lot of videos and I kind of dropped off it for a little bit. And is the YouTube channel also YouTube? Like, just I guess just look up Evolution. We'll find it. We'll put it in the show notes. Seriously, yeah. uh, 2 million views? But we'll he's put got, that video in the show notes. Brandon's got a video with 2 million views that is a very funny video that will teach you how to put on your uh your your jock strap. What do you call it in Muay Thai? The tie cup. It's the a tie cup. It's a totally different way. <laughs> tie cup sounds like an award. <laughs> it's 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 definitely something. Um it's a stainless steel cup 
but the big thing is it's all strings. So it doesn't have like the jock strap. It's got a string <laughs> that you tie around the top. It looks like then, a bikini bottom kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like wearing like a, a thong. thong. Yeah. Like you pull the string up your butt crack and yeah. tie it as tight as you can. And it's super uncomfortable when you first start. But the one thing I've learned is that nothing protects your boys as good as the tight cup. I've tried all the major ones, Diamond, Nutty Buddy, all those guys. <laughs> nothing has come close to the tight cup. The only thing I trust to protect my twig and berries is <laughs> the, the steel tie cup with the string up the crack. Well, clearly millions of people agree with you because uh, the video has resonated. Yeah. So. You just, you just want to avoid smelling that bottom string. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last <laughs> piece of advice. It gets a bit yeah. right. Don't smell the bottom string. All right. All thanks right, so thanks much. Thanks so much. No worries. Yeah. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, guys. That's a wrap, everybody. Uh, as always, you can email us with your advice questions at heymanpod at gmail.com. Better yet, shoot us a voicemail, 917-426-4326. If you want to get your Instagram or Twitter on, we're at heymanpod. And um, as always, we really appreciate if you would give us a review uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast. It makes a big difference for us.